Good afternoon, everyone. Hopefully you can see and hear us okay. Let us know in the comments if that's the case. I can't log into my other computer because for some reason, you know, it's technology. It always lets you down, right? I didn't realize that you have to charge this thing. It's like a, I don't know where the charger is. I'm not in charge of chargers in our business. And so I can't, I can't watch the comments on my other computer. So I have to, uh, have to go on my phone and do it. What is that? What is what that? It's a mouse. Oh, it's a mouse. Oh, it's the um, my the MacBook mouse, isn't it? The uh, the Apple mouse, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's got a little app on it. It's an Apple mouse. Yeah, but I, yeah. I didn't realize it needs charging. The 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 charging fairies have not charged it, so they've let me down. <laughs> essentially, so yeah, I, my screen is not working. The charging fairies have not done their job. And so for my mouse is not working, unfortunately. Right. Uh, let me come out of my Facebook. Otherwise, that is uh, going to annoy everyone. So James says, looking forward to this. We've got Cindy. Hi, guys. How are we going? Just let us know if you can see and hear us okay. Do you guys have a charging fairy in, in your business? Because mine's, you know, disappeared completely. So let me know if that's the case. Uh, darling, who's meant to charge my things? Yeah, I'm, I'm just not in charge of uh, charging in, in any way, shape or form. So we always we all have that person in life, right, that, that does that sort of stuff for us. Yeah, I have, um, a, I have a charging fairy. He just he just charges all my things. I don't have to worry about it. Just I wake up in the morning, it's 100 percent. I'm like, how did that happen? Uh. Yeah, exactly. I go to bed and I swear I'm like falling asleep to TikTok. And then it's there. My phone's char fully charged. I go to bed asleep with oh, like two wow. percent battery, and then it's like it's there, hundred percent. The next day, the charging fairies did it for sure. Yeah, Jade, Jade knows what I'm talking about. She's got a charging fairy. I highly recommend it, guys. I don't know where you get a charging fairy. They're magical. They just appear for sure. Yeah, but is yeah. The, uh, the, the the Apple Mouse? Is that the the old school? <laughs> MacBook charger or is it just a USB-C? What is it? What's the actual charger for it? What's the port look like? Is it like the same as the keyboard? Okay. No, it's like a completely different yeah. one. So yeah, yeah. I didn't even know that one existed. Okay. So okay. yeah, it's a completely different one. So it's not like I'm being awkward and it's here. I don't know where it is. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know where it is. <laughs> Falling asleep to TikTok. What happens... Self-development for bedtime. I is I'm watching like TikTok kind of stuff, like motivating stuff and and that type of thing for sure. Everyone wants to know. Debbie wants to know who are these mystery people? They're fairies, the yeah. charging fairies for sure. Cindy is the charging fairy, but yeah, that's enough about fairies. But uh, yeah, that that that's what happened. The charging fairy didn't do their job, and they're non-gender specific either. They're the fairy, so it's not a he or a she, just non-gender specific um, for that role. So yeah, do you, whatever. Do you have is. any? Uh, <laughs> do you have any go-to people you follow on TikTok who are actually helpful and not just sort of random dancing videos? Yes. Um, so for me. Um, my TikTok viewing, I've got quite an interesting algorithm, I think. my I, I'd love to know more. I'd love to know what my stats are for the algorithm. So I, I, I follow a lot of sports-based stuff, and I do naturally. 
So my motivation comes from a lot of sports-based people, personality. It's funny, I was talking to Hayden this morning. And for anyone that's watched this, it's quite a bit of a weird, random one um, to watch. But has anyone watched The Edge of Everything, which is the new Ronnie O'Sullivan documentary? I think it's on Prime. I'm not sure. I yeah, I highly recommend it. Watched it last night. Um, I don't watch a lot of stuff out. We mainly watch sport in our house. I think I've spoken about this before. So we mainly watch sport. So there's there's always sport in some aspect uh, that's on in our house. You know, whether it's mainly football, because obviously we're, we're big football fans anyway. So a lot of my motivation comes from sports people, male, female, some of my my heroes, my biggest heroes, Michael Jordan, uh, Roger Federer, Serena Williams, you know, that's where a lot of my motivation comes from and, and where I get that. Um, so anyway, last night I was watching the Ronnie O'Sullivan one, which is called uh, The Edge of Everything. And I'm going to watch the Wayne Rooney one a bit later in the week as well, uh, which is supposed to be really good. But uh, I grew up on snooker, so I've got an interest in it. Uh, but I appreciate Ronnie O'Sullivan one might not be for everyone because it's quite a niche sport, obviously. But I encourage anyone to watch it. And I was telling Hayden about it this morning because it's quite a unique aspect of what personal demons he's had to break in order to, you know, adapt and change him over the years. Uh, very motivating um, and insight into the mind of someone who is the GOAT in his particular field. I'm always massively influenced and interested in hearing from whoever is the best in their field. And Ronnie O'Sullivan is the best in his field. It's as simple as that. So I want to hear that. Pardon? It's not Stephen Hendry. Isn't he the best? Stephen no. Hendry? No, he's not no. the best. No, he's second best. He would be... And okay. It's funny, actually, the Jimmy White's in it, Stephen Hendry's in it, and he just equaled, I think, Stephen Hendry's one, and, and that's what the, the progress is about. But Ronnie's different. He's a different type of player. He's an instinctive player. Um, so it's all that process. If you like snooker, it was my dad's favourite sport. He loved Ronnie O'Sullivan. He, he grew up, you know, all through, through, through that. So I had an interest from a snooker point of view, but also... Like I said, I'm always interested in hearing from the people who are the greatest in their field, whatever the sport is, to be perfectly honest. And I suppose whatever the vocation is. And that's what I tend to get driven on TikTok to. So if people are massively successful, I pick up a lot of Elon Musk stuff. I pick up a lot of Joe Rogan stuff. Um, you know, the people that are, I, I think that's what ticks my algorithm box. I don't know. It's interesting. I don't specifically go after anyone. I think that's just where it kind of leads me. I don't know if anyone else is the same, but it's always, yeah. I get a lot of, I definitely get a lot of sports motivation stuff driven to me. The guy that, you know, a lot of sports coaches and things like that tend to pop up on mine quite a lot. Oh, well, here we go. Yeah. Brian says, no, it's Ronnie. Ronnie's, Ronnie's the goat. Yeah. For sure. But yeah, it's called The Edge of Everything. I definitely I haven't watched the Wayne, Wayne Rooney one, but another one to watch is obviously The Last Dance. That's a phenomenal one as well. Watched it like um, twice. Yeah. yeah, I've watched it. I think two or three times. And also, there's a great one. I always forget the name of it with about Rafa Nadal and Roger Federer as well. The greatest Wimbledon final of all time. So anything like that, I absolutely love. What about you? What 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 does your where does your algorithm take you to motivation? 
yeah i think it's like elon elon musk videos uh annoyingly i still get the odd like andrew tate one but he kind of annoys me now uh because to be honest he's just like a guru isn't he he's just a really good guru yeah. at the end of the day that's like where he made his money from being the ultimate guru um like he just did it better than everyone else because his marketing was so good um well his marketing was yes brilliant um yeah but so, so... I, I get the old clip and it's, it, i find it so cringe when i see like these normal guys and they're like the motivational music behind and it's just like oh god it's so cringe i think i'm getting too old now to watch that sort of thing where you get the you know you know the movie backdrop where like the hero the hero music and it's behind like someone like andrew tate speaking about some castle i'm just like oh, this is so cringe but um yeah, yeah. I, I guess like fighting stuff as well to me. It's like UFC. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I get random stuff like that. But yeah, Elon Musk. Uh, Musk. My favorite podcast right now, apart from Beyond the Buy Box, is uh, is uh, obviously it's like the All In podcast. So mm-hmm. I get a few clips from that. So uh, is anyone who watched the All In podcast? Then then comment. It's really it's really good. It's basically like three four billionaires who have a podcast and speak every week, and they kind of speak about like current events. But they're all they're from different sides of the political spectrum, so they're not just all on the right. So you get quite a good view from people who are obviously very successful in life. So yeah, I really I really like the All In podcast. It's like mm. you have like um, my first million, which is really good, and those guys are sort of 10, 20 million successful in business. But then the All In is like the step above, where it's like the billionaires discussing uh, different topics, and they get like presidential candidates on and really recommend the all in podcast it's 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 interesting yeah, yeah. so i get i get yeah i get business stuff a lot of elon musk stuff especially like that where he told someone to f off last week which was hilarious really yeah uh, yeah bob Iger to, to f off it was yeah crazy. as a disney fan you can imagine how well do you know what is interesting i completely understand that and i i totally agree with that disney's gone in a, a, in a very weird direction it doesn't stop you being an old school fan essentially you know i love going to disney world and and everything i've actually had a few people say to me recently who knows as someone who you know, friends and family, and obviously probably you guys that have been around me for a while know that we go to Disney quite religiously every few years. Interestingly enough, for the first time ever, I had somebody say to me, do you think you'll stop going with everything that's going on with Disney at the moment? And I was a bit like, I know what's going on with Disney and I, I I know the trouble they're in and, you know, what how certain people... I'm not going to get into the reasons why, guys. This is not what it's for. Look it up yourself. You'll be able to find that information. Um, but, you know, it's a classic, go, you know, a little bit like go woke, go broke. So they've gone in a very, you know, certain direction that people aren't comfortable with, you know. And um, anyway, so... And I'm like, no, why, why, why would it affect, you know? At the same time, I go there for the enjoyment of what I grew up with and that nostalgia and the kids there. I don't go there to listen to the message, you know, and this is what, um, well, do you know what's really interesting, though, after that thing, Bob Igar, by the way, who is a phenomenal CEO, I will say that. I watched his masterclass on that masterclass thing, and that was phenomenal. So as a as a CEO, um, he is phenomenal. He attributed you know he could be attributed to everything of disney's success over the last 20 years 
uh, Bob, he was in charge of all the acquisitions, of all the IP acquisitions, Star Wars, Marvel, which, you know, changed the game, obviously, from, for Disney. So from that point of view, brilliant business mind. But he came out of the business a couple of years ago and another CEO called Bob Chapek came in and he changed the direction of things. And unfortunately, it got a little bit out of hand. And what Bob Iger came back and said recently, which I love this about him, is he come back and said, Disney's lost its way a bit. We've, 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 we need to go back to focusing on the story and stop trying to send out a message. Mm-hmm. which I think is a really smart thing to pick up on and recognize because that's what Disney is. It's an entertainment company. Entertain. People don't want to be preached to. And I've got a very strong definition between the two um, where I can differentiate the entertainment that I go to Disney World for. Just because I go to Disney World doesn't mean I align with their message. You know, does that make sense? So yeah. that's why, yeah, I've got no issue with that whatsoever. Yeah, so. I think it's, I believe it's because they're pulling advertising from from X dot com and stuff like that. Where, yeah. obviously, it's just, I, I like X dot com because it, it it is people are right. It's the only news outlet where there's no real sort of censorship. Really, it's like obviously minus as agenda. Mm-hmm. Which so you can actually get decent opinions rather than every other news outlet. It's the only one left that actually has sort of neutral opinions, and I'm always looking for like opinions in the middle. That's 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 what I always seek out. For for me, I always try and seek out information that is right in the middle because I want to hear both sides of the argument. I don't want to hear just one agenda. So of that's course. what X is pretty good for that. I mean, yeah, it's it's yeah. pretty good for that. And but, I, you uh, know, yeah. I think that's the same as everyone. And um, yeah. Oh, by the way, hi everyone. Sorry, we just we just carry on. Uh, we were just like chatting on, and we're twenty minutes in, and we've you know just been talking about this. But I think it's really interesting to talk about that. And like what Cindy said, love this. What you're watching, listening, reading at the moment is it a good thing to talk about actually? Because if you think about it, we're so influenced by all of those things. Like today, after watching that Edge of Everything. Everything I feel, and I don't want to spoiler alert it for anyone. I'm not going to talk about it because I think someone could watch the same thing and get a different message from me. I got a very strong message and it felt very aligned with with my personal business journey over the last few years with something that Ronnie O'Sullivan went through. And um, so it really appealed to me. It might not appeal to another person in the same way, but it is so is, you know, it's so important to talk about and give different perspective and see what you can get from it. I don't want to spend my evenings now watching I'm a Celebrity, get me out of here. I'm not saying I don't watch crap, I do, you know, but when I watch crap, it has to be like real crap. It has to be like proper car crash crap, you know, essentially, if I'm going to, if I'm going to go down to that point, but I'm also not one of these that I've been in situations where people like, I don't have a TV, I only read. You know, if you've got a 65 inch TV, then blah, blah, blah. But it's why I watch so much sport, actually. I think sport is always on in the background because you don't, with sport, you don't have to concentrate 100%. Where, you know, it can just be on in the background while I'm I'm doing something else. So I definitely recommend that. And there's some great uh, suggestions, you know, we've also read. So if you haven't watched any of those, uh, make sure that you do or listen to those podcasts uh, for sure. Uh, Richard. 
whoever said the uh, Redeem team, that's a brilliant one. I watched that one as well. The Burnley one, Road to Burnley. And even the Wrexham one, that's a great one as well. It's a bit more Hollywood, you know, but, you know, good story of determination, you know, that type of thing. So, yeah, I love watching all that sort of stuff. Anyway, to um, the point, but welcome everyone that's joined us. Um, and do you know what someone said about Dave Grohl, actually? Some of the stuff I watch, do you know what? You know, uh, this is what I love about the TikTok, actually. And whoever's put about the Dave Grohl one, oh, it's Chris. Um, he said about, be that's exactly what I do. So it doesn't have to be sport, but I'm definitely drawn towards anyone who is the best in their field. I like knowing what goes into the mindset or the insight into somebody who is the best in their field. And that could be if someone is a champion pancake flipper. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be sport or music. I'm interested in people that in really excel in life and what it takes to be the best, uh, essentially. So, yeah, that's that's what I tend to get um, interested in. There's I watch a guy to do with drums. So that might be whoever watches it, Chris, whoever watches the Dave Grove one. I don't know if you watch the guy. Um, this is a really fascinating but random one. Johnny, I think you'd like this one. So yep. what he does is he listens to an intro of a song. I don't know if anyone else has seen this. And then the music goes blank. So it's like a song that he's never heard. And then it's to do with the musical ear. And he can continue playing exactly the same tune as what the tune should be. I don't know if I've explained that right, but it's fascinating. So I, I don't know who the guy is, but he had Chad Watts' face from the Red Hot Chili Peppers doing it. And it was just phenomenal. It was Chad yeah. no, that's not Kroger. Kroger, yeah, the one that looks no, that's, like that's the other guy. That's the other guy. No, it's not Hold Chad Kroger. That's that's the guy from Nickelback. <laughs> oh uh, yes, no, it's Chad something. I, I can't Chad remember. Chad Smith, but... maybe. Chad Smith. Yeah, that's a really interesting one as well. Anyway, for anyone that's listening, but yeah, uh, oh, was it Drumio? Just... Yeah, there we go, Drumio. Love that yeah. one. Chad Smith. So, question: so, Do you think uh, do you think talent is inborn? Do you think you're you're born with talent? Do you think you're born with these skill sets? And then, obviously, the greats are the people who do who work with have those skill sets and obviously put the hours in over time. So, like all the famous documentaries, obviously, like Michael Jordan. You know, if you look about like Kobe Bryant and Cristiano Ronaldo, they just spend they go before practice and after practice. They're always the first to get there and last to leave. Mm -hmm. How much? What, what's your opinion? I always think a really good, I don't know what the answer is, but I think sports people are the best comparison to that for someone natural talent versus um, hard work. And I do think a really good comparison is obviously the argument of who is the GOAT in terms of modern day football, Lionel Messi versus Ronaldo. And, um, you know, equally, you know, you could ask 100 football fans and you'd probably get a 50-50 result on both. And... But what is quite obvious is Lionel Messi is through talent and um, Ronaldo is definitely through hard work. You know, he wouldn't have achieved the level that what he achieved without hard work, discipline, um, like you said, getting there before. I'm not saying Messi doesn't have that because obviously he is, you know, you've got to have that. But I do personally think to be the greatest of all time, it's not just on hard work. You've got to have the talent as well. And I, another good example is someone like someone already mentioned, again, 
Andy Murray versus someone like Djokovic, Andy Murray versus Federer. I think the ones with the the extra talent, determination and, and hard work are have longer sustainability. Whereas I think someone, Andy Murray is the perfect example of achieving what he achieved based on pure determination, hard work uh, and everything like that as well is, um, but his body broke because he didn't have the natural talent that you're you know and Nadal uh Federer and Djokovic did you know so yeah I think you can get to the same level but I don't think you have longevity um if you don't have that natural talent as well I don't know what you think yeah I, I think there's certain things you're supposed to do in life and a lot of things are inborn in my opinion um so take yourself for for instance. I think you you're supposed to be sort of in front of a camera and then speaking to audiences. You're a chatty person, and I think that's probably I'm sure you're like that all your life, where you're always quite chatty and sociable, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a so I think I'm a social yeah. person. So that sort of talent to 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 host and be in podcasts and present, I think, is always just an inborn ability that you just you'll be naturally a lot better than someone else at uh, the majority of people. So yeah, I do. I do think so. I think there is a certain. It's a big yeah. part of it. Yeah, I think definitely. I think talent plus that level of determination will always win over you know hard work. Unfortunately, um, but it doesn't mean you can't achieve great things. Like I said, I genuinely think one of the best examples is Andy Murray uh, versus you know, and I feel bad for Andy Murray. Geez, talk about coming through at the time where not only are you facing the best tennis player of all time, in my opinion, which is Roger Federer. Then you've also got two waiting in the wings, Nadal, who, you know, plagued by injury, but then Djokovic as well, which, like someone else said, Djokovic will be on paper the best tennis player of all time. He will now. Uh, but for me, it, it will always be Roger Federer because of that natural ability and talent as well. Hey, I didn't know we were starting a sports podcast, but here we are. <laughs> But same reason not... for Michael Jordan. Well, we as made well. an announcement last week that we're now a yeah. podcast. I know, definitely. Uh, and <laughs> do you know what? It could float my boat a little bit. I could definitely be, yeah, I could definitely go down that route. Um, yeah, it is so fascinating. And that's what I said. I get a lot of inspiration from. I do get it from sports. I do get it from business people, especially women in business. Um, I follow a lot of uh, women in business as well. Um, but definitely for me, um, you know, sports people will always bring me the highest level of, of motivation and where, where I go to. Yeah, yeah. I've seen her. Love it. Love it. Love yeah. it. Love it. Yeah. When you I know. was, um, yeah, when I was training for my, for my fights back in the day, when I was doing Muay Thai uh, and fighting, uh, I'd always go to sports, other athletes for inspiration and like David Goggins as well, of course. Yeah, but, uh, I'd always yeah, look at like UFC cool. fights. I love him. Yeah, I would always look at like, UFC fights and people who are going for like twenty-five minutes full out and just not seem to be tired and you know listening to them do interviews and how hard how much work they put in and that would always motivate me and from other great people sort of thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. yeah, and you're right, Chris. Uh, uh, you know, would Murray have done as well if he didn't have the three to push himself? Absolutely. Again, you've always got to have someone to chase. Uh, there's no doubt about it. But yeah, uh, it, one of the best movies of the year for me. Uh, absolutely loved it. What a great watch. Uh, cool. Matt Damon's one of my favorite anyway as well. So that ticked uh, all the boxes for me. Uh, in that respect. Right. Well, let's move on because we've got two other main things that we want to talk about today, but one we'll kind of talk about quickly. And then I really wanted, you know, Johnny, we don't get Johnny that often on Beyond the Buy Box because you're always like jet setting around the world or, you know, you've got the warehouse and, and all these things. So I wanted to dial into you this time of year, what it's like kind of running your operation at this time of year, being one of the biggest UK sellers in the amount of units that you, you sell on Amazon. So I wanted to kind of touch base with you on that whilst you're in the thick of it, busiest time of the year. Um, so before we do that, I just want to give a quick update on obviously on the section three that some of you guys would have probably known by now that we'd been going through. And I don't want to spend too much time focusing on this because I am going to do a separate video and a PDF based on the whole experience that if it rears its ugly head again, that you guys will have, instead of me just saying, oh, watch the Beyond the Buy Box podcast where we talked about it for 10 minutes on the 6th of December or, or whatever, I want to have something tangible pinned in the group that you guys can go to if, if, if it rears its ugly head again. But good news, obviously, is uh, we got through the section three. We received the notification on the 9th of November. We actually, for anyone that doesn't know what it is, it's a section three. They put your account under review because they suspect that you are selling um, inauthentic products, counterfeit products. Uh, they withhold your funds and then they give you either a brand or they give you a certain amount of ASINs that you essentially have to prove um, that you're not selling, the, that those goods are not fake. They're not counterfeit. They're not inauthentic. And you have to you have to prove it. And they request a list as long as your arm of documentation to support that or evidentiary support that um, those products are not fake. OK. And you as a company, you're not a dodgy person. You're not this and not that. So. We had that and this happened a lot of time. It happened to a lot of other sellers and a few other sellers were having like three or four different ASINs, one ASIN, something like that. We got 18. And at the time we were like, there's no way we're going to be able to prove all this. You know, being a reseller, we didn't know if what we had was acceptable, uh, that type of thing. So anyway, that happened on the 9th. And we thought, OK, we're going to do this anyway. To cut a long story short, and I'm, I'm going to cover all this in the processes anyway as well. Last Friday, we submitted the information, I think, on the 18th. So I think we submitted it. Uh, no, sorry, not the 18th. I think we submitted it eight days later on the 16th because we had a document that was 356 pages long that contained all of that information that they were requesting. So, you know, it takes time to gather 365 pages of information and put in a certain order, which we suspected that Amazon wanted. Um, so it had to all be, in, you know, put around and, and do this. And then on Friday, which was the 1st of December, we got the notification. And I must admit, after all these years of selling on Amazon, uh, I 
I didn't think I was shocked. Um, but I was shocked. Uh, they just accepted the appeal straight away. No issues, no declines, no, we need any more of information, none of this. You know, you know, Johnny, how shocked we were. We were yeah. not expecting it. I was even talking about at some point, we may never see this account again. That was very early days um, because there was 18 ASINs uh, associated with it. And it's quite unusual, I think, to have that many ASINs associated with it. And then the fact that we got through it without a decline and also without an interview, because interviews are something that people are seeing at the moment requesting an interview. So, yeah, we were, we were kind of shocked. But then it's one of those things that we did everything they asked. And I know people are saying, yeah, but I've done everything they've asked. But my biggest tip here is to say, have you done everything they've asked? So, you know, I think that's quite a knee jerk or a standard reply when you see a rejection from Amazon to think, well, I've, I've sent you that. But have you really, have you understood exactly what they want? Because you may think you've understood what they want, um, but have you? So I think that's the first, you need to almost take personal feeling out of it. And the way that we worked through this appeal was very um, point and do, essentially. So it was like, uh, it was a tick box exercise. We took emotion out of it. Does that make sense? Um, it was very much, they need this and they need this in this format. And we put it into that. So that that's how we went through. And I can't talk about it in detail now because it would just be like an hour of talking about it. So I'm going to put it all in a document that shows the format of how we did it. And like I said, 365, no, 356 pages of it. But everything that they asked for on the list, we supplied with exception to the letter of authorization because we didn't have it. It's as simple as that. So if you do not have it, again, this is another tip certainly do not um, try and fake anything or, you know, try and change anything or manipulate anything or, you know, yeah, it's just not worth it on Amazon. They will find out for sure. Um, so the other the other thing I would say is as well, and I know Daniel's watching, he, he did a post to the contrary and I, I don't want him to think I'm picking. He went, went through and he's been passed now, so he, he's done the same. The other thing that we didn't do is we didn't hassle account health, which I have been told on quite a few different occasions, the more you hassle account health, the less they deal with it. Not from a, you know, oh, we're going to annoy them point of view, but it's like every time you call them up or every time something happens, it's almost like they put you to the bottom of the pile again. And, you know, and it goes through that process. Now, I can't prove that. That is, doesn't come from Jeff or, or anyone. I've heard it from a few different people. I've suspected it for some time. But all I can say is go on our experience, which is we did exactly what they said. We supplied it in the format that we'd heard and researched was acceptable. We called them once after three days to see whether it had been received because you don't get like, oh, thanks for your information. It's been received. And we left it and we got reinstated. Mm. So Just to take your time, take your time with it. You took your time. It, 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 we took our time. 
Yeah, one, two weeks before you replied and made sure you had everything, right? Yeah. So we actually, I don't want to say this too loud just in case Amazon's hearing, we actually were missing about four, <clears throat> four pages. So it should have been 360 pages. We were missing... Um, we were missing three shipping confirmations. Um, and yeah, so we were missing three shipping confirmations. So we were worried about that. We were, we were like worried, okay, we're going to get rejected. We were expecting to get rejected. Um, we were confident that we'd done everything that they'd asked, but we, but it also got to the point, they gave us a time limit. We had to submit everything in 10 days or face suspension. And, um, so it got to eight days and I said to Matt, we got to, we got to send it now. You know, it's better to send it and then and and then not. Um, so that's what we did. And yes, it got through even with some missing information. But like I said, we're talking one bit. If you know what's 18 divided by 356, you know, 10. So, it's mm -hmm. you know, each. Each ace, you know, each ace in probably had 15, 10, 15 pages. So there was like out of four of them, one page was missing out of four of them. Now I have, I have, uh, by the way, Darren, I'm going to come back to your comment in a moment because I know you guys have been battling a, a, a bad suspension for a long time. But what I have heard thrown about, of you know, in jest, and I know Matthew Wright said it as well, is the fact that. And I want to dismiss this even as though it's I know it's been said in jest and a joke because I don't want people to think this is fact is I have heard that, oh, Amazon saw it was 356 documents and just thought, oh, we'll just pass them. If you Amazon do not do that, that is not something that em, enters Amazon mind. So I don't want anyone thinking, oh, OK, great. If I submit 500 pages of documents, they're just going to pass me. That I hopefully you'll agree with me on that, Johnny, right? That's funny. Yeah. I I, 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 I to be honest, I'm I'm a little bit with, with that rumor. I, I actually think if someone Oh, saw you what think I, it is the case. I see no, I can't hundred percent, but I just think if if it's all three hundred and fifty pages, I bet they scan through and be like, Okay, this looks like this guy this seller knows what they're talking about. They don't look dodgy. They yeah. like kind of do like a quick I would I imagine they sort of scan through rather than like reading every single word. Right? Yeah. Do you think they scan through and every read every word? I doubt it. I bet they just scan through and like, okay, this looks pretty legit. Okay, we got the days and days and okay, cool. This looks the seller seems like they know what they're doing. Let's just reinstate them. I think they must have some sort of algorithmic software. something yeah. software that picks up. And I think it's like a like a tick box thing. So say for instance, if you submit all that, and this is pure wild speculation, guys. Uh, this is wild speculation, but it kind of makes it. I think they'll like give you a score, say, for instance, like 20. Then they'll have like an algorithmic thing. And if you hit that 20, you pass maybe, you know, and they scan through it. I'm not saying they sit down and read every single thing, but I think you hit certain benchmarks for sure. Uh, there was no. Oh, there we go. Daniel said I was told they're using software for this. So, yeah, it's got to be something algorithmic. So. But at the same time, I really don't want anyone to think that you could just submit 500 pages of irrelevant stuff. Everything was exactly what they asked for. Um, so let me go back to Noor's, uh, Noreen's comment. Did you submit everything in one PDF? Yes, we did. So we'd actually heard um, 
and, and this is why. So when we first got it, we rang Account Health and found out. And Matt very quickly sort of said to the person in Account Health, surely you've got some sort of, um, he, he said, this is going to be hundreds of pages of information. Surely there's something that's going to block this email coming through because they told us to attach every page to it. And uh, they were like, no, we've got blockers. Just send it through. It'll be fine. Just attach, which I know some people have been told. But then we'd seen a couple of success stories where people had sent it through on one PDF and we didn't want it to get rejected through the sheer size of the file. So we did it on a PDF and then Matt reduced the PDF down. Does that make sense? I know it will to you, Johnny. So I will check. I don't know if Matt, Matt's watching, but we had to reduce it down to a certain gig. Is that right? Okay. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. In order to get it through, um, in order compress for it to it, be, okay. yeah, compress it. So because the file was so big, obviously. But yes, it was on one continuous uh, PDF. So one attachment. Yeah, uh, when you're doing your... um. Yeah, so for any other sort of IP complaints, if you're doing your plan of action, then you can write it out in Word and save it save it as PDF, and then you yeah. attach it as like a letter, right? Because the, the little box doesn't give you enough information, room to do your actual appeal. Um, but yeah, I think just touching the letter of uh, authorization, I think Amazon will always remove, well, it seems like they, they usually remove those IP claims even without the letter of authorization. But the issue is if if a brand does it, they can just keep filing the same complaint. Uh, yeah. So if you do get some sort of IP complaint, it's better just to remove the listing after removing the uh, the, the complaint. But uh, yeah, we, we've actually got our account health back up to 1,000 now. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, suck it, Paul. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's this... Uh, uh, not Paul Hudson who's watching, by the way. Let's make that clear. <laughs> not you. <laughs> <laughs> So we're actually, uh, we've managed to get things uh, back on track now. So yeah, yeah you, you seem to get, you can get a lot of the IP complaints removed, just uh, even without less authorizations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And that's the point I wanted to make as well is um, I want to make it clear. We had 18 of these ASINs and we did not submit one brand authorization or one letter of authority. But what we did do is we had official invoices. And this brings me back to what I'm saying is we were saved. I don't want to, I've had loads of people contact me since, you know, saying congrats, well done. Matt Cromie gets all of the credit here. I would not have passed this review if it was down to me. It's as simple as that. Matt is a stringent record keeper. So when I create and, you know, I'm going to take all the glory for it, uh, essentially, I get all the congrats and everything like that, but it all comes down to Matt. So I'll give Matt the shout out and credit here. He is a stringent record keeper. And this is what you need to be in this business now, because there used to be used to start this business and used to say, well, wait until you're VAT registered, then start, you know, requesting your invoices and do this and do that. You guys can't do that anymore. You need to be stringent. You need to be, um, very consistent in the records that you're keeping. To cut a very long story short, what Amazon is looking for, they don't care if you've got brand authorization. Uh, in you know, in in America, this this happened on a US account in particular. I suspect it will come over here in in some way, but in a different kind of way. 
But no, this is the new norm moving forward for IP, for counterfeit, for proof, proof of authority, whatever way you look at it, what it comes down to, they don't care if you've got authorization of the brand. Amazon do not care. What they care about is tangible evidence to prove the, so the supply chain of that product. That is what this exercise was. It was to track and show the full process of purchase from us of the product to delivery to the customer. So a little bit like if you're trying to prove, they call it provenance, if you're trying to prove the authentication, I can't say that word, uh, authenticity, I should say, that's the word, authenticity of like a, a Rembrandt, okay? They want to track from when that was painted right up to the latest sale. That's how you've got to look at it now. You have to be able to prove the full process of that purchase to delivery to customer. Now, obviously, delivery of customer is something simple like the FBA shipping confirmation because Amazon shipped it. We didn't ship it. Amazon did. OK, but they also want my UPS of sending it into Amazon to prove that's the same product being sent into Amazon. So when you guys are saying that you've sent everything in, especially for this this thing in particular, did you send the shipping queue? Did you send your UPS or your FedEx or your DHL of it leaving the prep center? Did you send confirmation from the prep center that had been received? I'm talking they want every single detail. They don't just want the invoice and the shipping queue. They want everything in between. And then on top of that, they also want to know who I've purchased it from is genuine. So we also included link to the product on the website, link to the company's address details and confirmation on the website if they had it that they were an authorized supplier and a link to that point. So and this was for every single ASIN as well as our own personal company details as well. So I know when people are saying I supplied all that, have you supplied it at that level? That's what they're looking for. So not only am I covering my back, I'm covering the person's back I've bought it from. So I think if you ask yourself that, if you can say yes, that you've done everything like that. And like I said, we even submitted missing some information. So from what I've seen where people are talking about this issue in particular, I don't know if people have understood the level of what needs to be supplied here. That's why I'm going to create and put together this PDF showing at, you know, what we'll do is I'm not going to do one with 18. I'll do one like one acing start to finish of everything that you need to supply for for this, because this is this is here to stay. This isn't going anywhere. So from now on, if you purchase a product and you have to have an invoice, if it's bought online, but they will accept a till receipt as well, providing it details that product and shows that product exactly. If you are purchasing from somewhere that they will not give you an invoice with the product showing exactly what it is, or if you're purchasing retail arbitrage and it says item toy 36, just stop buying from them. Yeah, I agree. You know what's really funny about this is that 
Amazon retail are probably the worst for not getting authorization for from the brand. I've, I've spoken to and worked with a lot of brands before who always complain about leaks in their supply chain and how Amazon retail somehow always get their products and they have no, no, no knowledge of it. Um, most of the cases, this is what actually happens, by the way, is that a brand will complain to me and I'll be like, well, are you selling to someone like Costco? And like, oh yeah, mm -hmm. we, we sell to Costco. And then the Costco, basically what Costco do is they sell them to Amazon retail. So yeah. this whole brand authorization thing, it's so rich coming from Amazon who do it themselves. They're the worst mm -hmm. for it. And then they will cut the price under like map. They will go low of the price. And then the brand's like, what the hell? Like, so I, I don't, it is, a, it is a pain because it's like one rule for us and one rule for Amazon. It is. Retail. And I think I do say this all the time. Unfortunately, I'm always going to play devil's advocate on this. You know, I always have to feel like I'm the person that um, not the voice of reason here, but it, it, it really is a simple choice. And me and Matt argue about this. Me and Matt Cromey argue about this all the time because that's his response, you know, but they're doing this and, you know, they're the worst for it and whatever. I'm like, it's their, it's, it's their playground. You have a choice whether or not you play on their swings or not. You know, you can walk on by and you can go to the next park. You know, you can play in the green open fields. But if you want to slide down their slide, if you want to swing on their swings, you got to follow their rules. It's as simple as that. And, it, you know, and the thing is, they're going to be the ones that are going to be telling you not to slide down the slide backwards, but they're going to be doing it themselves on the next slide. And you have to accept that. It's as simple as that, unfortunately. Is it right? No, of course not. But everybody has a choice. Nobody is forced to sell on Amazon. Uh, nobody, you know, yeah, you're not, no one's got a, a something to your head. You know, I can't say the word because it'll get banned on Facebook. Uh, but um yeah, it is a choice, unfortunately. So it is a yeah. case of do as you say, you know, not as we do. Um, but I want to go back to um, to to Matt's, um, uh, sorry, to Darren's comment. I know that they're going through a rubbish uh, suspension. It's interesting what you've put there, actually. It was an IP claim. The um, I want to find the comment. And the company was willing to retract it. So that's always the first thing to do is if you've got an IP claim, uh, the best thing to do is to get the company to ret uh, retract it. Uh, but in this case, they're actually saying it had gone over the time frame to retract it, which is, yeah, ridiculous. I get that. But I don't know if you've already, you guys have already done this. If you have already done it, um, there's not much more you can do, obviously. But have you asked the company to write you a letter on a headed... Um, template just you know if they were prepared to do that maybe get back in contact and say look they can't do this would you mind just popping me over a letter uh, they can email it it doesn't need to be physically sent uh, on headed company uh, note paper just to say and give them the information um, that we are happy to retract this claim and Amazon might take that because I know when Ahmed had his issue um, it, when he had the Care Bears issue, they were with, I, I think that they did accept like the, like a written confirmation as opposed to the retract, the retraction of it through the system. So I, that would be my next play. If you haven't done that already is to get them, um, to, to do that and see if that's something that can be retracted. 
um, from that point of view. I don't know if you've got anything else to add there, Johnny. Um, no, not, not that I'm aware of. No, no, I don't think so. I think we're all good. Yeah, I think that's all you can do. But then again, it's don't give up, guys. Don't give up. I know someone that got their account back after three years. I know you're 14 months in and I know it feels like you want to give up and it feels like it's a permanent suspension and you're never going to get it back. Um, but you will get it back. You've just got to keep persevering with it. It's as simple as that. Um, ring up, speak to account health every time you submit. I do believe the rumor of don't ring them on the same day of su submission, wait a couple of days, submit, wait a couple of days, then speak to, to somebody there. And if you get a helpful person, you know, um, they can't tell you exactly, which is ridiculous, what is needed. But it's about it's about finding that right format, unfortunately, about how to submit it, when to submit it, what to do. But perseverance above everything else, I'm afraid. Um, but yeah, and of course, speaking to someone, I don't know if anyone's handling the suspension for you now. Um, if they are, then it's just a case of keep going back to them with the information to reword and send in every time you get a rejection. Yeah. Yeah. My VA just works with seller basics and they just email each other with the plan of actions. And most of the time it always gets removed pretty much any ip ip claim now gets removed so yeah i highly recommend a company like seller basics or uh to work with someone who just knows knows what they're talking about and knows amazon yeah mm -hmm. that's what they specialize in right yeah yeah actually if we can see if we can get um anyone from seller basics to come on yeah yeah the thing is i'm sure that the lead guy he's, he's american so He's, 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 he's good. Yeah, I listen to all well, of his talks. I was going to say, that's okay. We, we accept Americans too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're just not a, not just a UK <laughs> podcast. But yeah, we accept America. All, all Americans welcome too, for sure. Um, so it's, it's massively um, frustrating, Darren, completely, but just keep going, keep going. Yeah, and they'll be holding... Uh, you know, they hold your money, they hold the stock, you know, and then they charge you storage whilst it's happening. It's, you know, it's a scam. It's awful. I hate it. Um, and it's so frustrating. And I can't, I'm not even going to try and patronize you by saying, oh, it'll be all right. And that's the way it is. It's incredibly frustrating. Um, but you've just got to persevere with it, unfortunately. Um, but I am definitely going to do... Um, you know, the the separate video and PDF to show exactly everything that was included. David said, did you send uh, invoices along with the order confirmations? We sent just invoices. Uh, we actually, in this case, uh, we had invoices for all. So the advice from me now has to be only work with people you know, you know, supply invoices. Like Superdrug, I know is a big one. They don't supply, they won't supply invoices, you know, or you know, for, for certain things. So if you know that, you take a gamble to continue to order those moving forward. But what was funny, we did have one purchase from Superdrug uh, on this, and um, it was one that they'd sent the blimmin' invoice on. Like, of all the luck in the world, it was the one um, that we sent, sent the invoice on. Um, so, yeah. Oh, and another thing as well, bit of a misconception. We had a couple in there that were Amazon Flips as well. So for me, that's confirmation. Although I've had IP claims um, 
reduced in the past for Amazon, uh, removed, you know, for IP claims in the past. But, you know, just for me, extra confirmation that actually Amazon flips, if done correctly, are totally acceptable um, on Amazon. Because, yeah, we obviously passed the review and we had uh, quite a few Amazon uh, purchases in there as well. So, yeah, just from that point of view, it's, um, um, yeah. Um, yeah, the company's seller basics. Uh, I don't use them, but Johnny, I know you do, and, and you, you definitely rate them. Tom uses them as well, and he rates them a lot. Um, yeah. You know, I like they're great. Um, I've always said that it'd be nice for a UK company to come out who knows UK law as well. They do yeah. know a little bit, but they're more obviously well-versed with the American law. So um, I've always said it'd be nice for a UK company to come out with, with that and IP specialists in the uk because then you feel i'd feel more comfortable knowing if anything terrible will happen then you know we could take people to court because mm -hmm. a lot of this stuff like if you do get suspended for like ip complaints and you are actually buying through the right channel then it's, it's anti-competitive behavior and i don't think it's actually they have legal grounds to stand on so mm -hmm. it's nice to actually have that that support where you know, if something the worst comes to worst, you know you can you can sue these brands and and actually have a have a leg to stand on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the hardest thing is nobody, especially in the US, you don't want to get involved in litigation if you don't have to, uh, essentially. But having someone on your side definitely, definitely is you know for the price it costs or anything like that, it's 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 absolutely worth it. I almost feel like this is the second. I mean, we didn't actually get suspended for this. We were under review, but obviously funds withheld, you know, everything like that. And I genuinely didn't know if we were going to get through this. As time went on, I was getting more and more confident. Um, but, you know, day one, I was like, it's over, you know, not going to sell on Amazon, you know, that type of thing. And I've had so many lovely compliments from people saying, how do you, you know, you've got nerves of steel how do you stay so cool believe me the first 24 hours i did have a bit of a meltdown i'm not gonna lie um over it but at the end of the day i think experience um in just general business i'm i'm not a flapper anyway as well so that helps naturally but it is that reassurance of knowing that everybody you know everything is resolvable on amazon for the relentless i knew it was always going to come back it was just how long it was going to take how much fresh frustration were we going to have to endure um you know it's a bit like a game of chicken i think you know who pulls you know who pulls away first essentially so you're almost playing a game of dare or chicken with amazon it's like who's going to break first so, um, and that's what it is in, in a lot of these cases. But Darren, Chantal, definitely try and get a letter on company letterhead from the person withdrawing the complaint. And I, I don't know, that feels like that could maybe, might be a missing piece of the puzzle. Um, so please keep us updated on that. I'd love to hear if that, you know, did anything or if it didn't, then I would know I'm talking rubbish or not. Uh, for sure. <laughs> you know, it would be confirmed. Um, just what Karina said then. Sorry, you took it away, Johnny. Sorry. Uh, just oh, what Karina sorry. said. Uh, <laughs> did we do a summary page? I actually can't remember on that. Um, because like I said, Matt, Matt did it all. Um, so yeah. And again, 
um, Matt said we interpreted everything differently. So we, we just sent everything we had, but we sent it in a really methodical way. So we did do a summary page, but again, I'm going to detail everything of that. So it was like, welcome to our 18 ASINs, you know, kind of selling life. So yeah, it was done. It was a load. It was like a shitload of information, but done in a really formatted, methodical way. Point and do. This is this. This is this. But we didn't annotate as well. So again, mixed messages on both. Matt was like, should I highlight, uh, which they say you can, should I highlight on the bank statement um, the purchase? Because they'll never find it. And I said, no. I said, I would rather have it come back rejected than get a suspension for manipulation of documentation. So ours went through without annotation as well. So that's what I'm sticking with. And that's what worked, uh, essentially. So, um, yeah, hopefully that will help. But like I said, I will absolutely do a, um, you know, I'm going to do an overview of it and uh, everything you, will be fully laid out, what we did, why we did it, how we did it. Uh, so it'll be a PDF. And then what I'll do is I'll do a video, like a walkthrough of the v, uh, PDF, just explaining each point, which hopefully, you know, if it helps, if it helps one person, you know, it'll be worth it a hundred percent. But yeah, we sent everything in, including the kitchen sink for sure. So, um, yes, uh, that, that was our little uh, adventure, but I must say I'm incredibly grateful. We got through it relatively unscathed compared to others, but all credit to Matt Cromie. Um, his, his, uh, like I said, if it was down to me, I'd still be out funds withheld you know Matt Cromie is brilliant at um at documentation so you've just got to be able to store anytime you buy something now you you you've got to have the full process little you know it's just little things like shipping couriers what we didn't realize is they get rid of the information after three months so then you have to manually request it which takes weeks and time. So every time now you just got to save it and or print it or or do something. You've just got to save every bit of of that that supply chain process. I know it's a pain in the bum, but it's part of what it, what you have to do now. If you want to stay in the game, that's what you're going to have to do. It's not just a uh, charging ferry. You can also do other things. Matt I know. I know. There he's a document king uh he is a yeah he is a doctor he's one of these this room that i'm sat in is in the office and wall to wall is like the calax ikea things with the boxes in and they're all labeled and it's got like electric bills from 1998 and and stuff like that you know if if my house ever caught fire it would go up like a tinderbox honestly there's so much paperwork in this house matt documents and keeps everything so I, I'm not allowed to throw anything out until it's seven years. So I always say to him, can we get rid of that? We don't we don't even own that anymore. No, got to keep it for seven years. So think like that. You just got to keep everything now. God. Can you come to my <laughs> warehouse and just sort of organize the paperwork? Yeah, he's he's king of paperwork. <laughs> so yeah, for sure. I know he is goat of Amazon rules, uh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, he likes justice, he says. He missed the charging ferry thing, so we'll just we'll just move on. We'll move on from that. 
Right. So back to you, Johnny. Uh, but yeah, guys, keep your eyes peeled. We're going to be talking, you know, there's going to be a lot of content um, that we're going to put together around that. So it could be the last time we hear about it. But if it isn't, then you guys will have the information that you need. And like I said, it was quite funny when I said about it, someone mentioned, oh, I didn't know if you're going to create a course on it and charge for it. I would never do that. This information should be available for all. It shouldn't be behind a paywall. I said that from day one. You know, as soon as we got through it, I would document the whole thing for everyone to use. You know, by rights, I could stick it in the hive, you know, behind the paywall, uh, essentially, and say it's privileged information. But, you know, there's information, I believe, that should absolutely be available to all. And, um, you know, this is this is it for sure. You know, it's why we run the communities that we do. Um, so, yeah, for sure, we're going to we're going to do that for sure. Um, make sure it's available for everyone. So back to you, Johnny. Johnny, yeah. you're in a warehouse I am. and you're not in an exotic location. So why are you there? What happened? You know, I know uh, you can't go into it in too much detail, but obviously um, you were known for someone traveling the world while having it all, having having the warehouse. But you got pulled back uh, to the warehouse unexpectedly. Um, and here you are talking to me in the UK. Yeah. I can't I can't share too many details, but uh, a couple of months ago, two months ago, we had to let go of our our warehouse manager for uh, well gross misconduct, and to be honest, he wasn't just doing the best job. Uh, at the same time, we let go of our, our stock controller, and then the warehouse's manager had a had some family members working here as well, so a stepmom and a brother. So basically, overnight, I sort of lost uh, four staff members. So. Um, you know, this is the thing when you when you when you create a business, sometimes you've got to step into uh, different roles and put on different hats temporarily while you try and rebuild and you know get back into the business. So that's where I am now. For the last two months, uh, I've been managing the warehouse as well as well as running software businesses and the back end team. So it's kind of been nonstop. Uh, yesterday, thankfully, we have a new new guy in. Uh, fingers crossed will be, be the one who, who will take us through to the next sort of four or five years in this warehouse and he's uh, a lot more mature but yeah we, we kind of lost uh, our management team uh, but the business has is, never been better actually right now in mm -hmm. terms of sales and, and growth uh, we've had such a good October and November but you know it's something like you were saying to me it's good to get back in the business sometimes and just sort of uh, yeah really just sort of stick your nose in and uh yeah 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 do you, i think what's interesting you can become too detached and i know tom parkinson spoke about this obviously one of the reasons why he closed his uk business which he was very transparent about by his own admission you know lots of things had changed in amazon but he obviously it was a very outsourced business um became too detached and i think by your own admission now as well that um, I did say, because obviously we knew that your new operations manager was going to be starting uh, this week. And I was like, please, Johnny, I hope you've not booked out like a flight on on the second, uh, the no, day no. after he's there. But I, Team I leader. Think... So the guy I saw yesterday was the more the manager, team leader. The operations yeah. manager is another role, which is more Amazon side, like yeah. business brand relationships and et cetera. Yeah, go on. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, I think... What's interesting is we all go through these periods in time, regardless of whatever size of your business that you run as well, that I said to you, I think, didn't I last week or something like that? Are you grateful? 
I think I actually yeah. think, you know, grateful it happened because you've stepped back into the business. You know, we all knew that from a business partner point of view, but Johnny, you literally, you had places to be. You were going to be in Greece over Christmas, you know, everything like that. That all got cancelled. You stepped back into the hold. You changed, changed your plans for everything. Um, but now, now you're through the worst of it, essentially. Like I said, you see it more as a, and you're grateful for the opportunity that it happened because now you're in a slightly different direction, but heading to a better place. You were in a worse place and now you're heading to a better place, right? Yeah. So, so my biggest stress factor for the last year has been the, the management of this, of this warehouse, just because of how, uh, you know, needy, I couldn't really do much they want they're sort of just a bit useless and always always messaging me and asking questions and that, that was always a stress factor uh, for me so so getting rid of that that pain it was, it was it's long overdue to be honest um but yes the mistake you know and to, that i should to learn from is when i come back to the uk i'd only come for a few hours i'd come to the warehouse visit for like two three hours half a day mm. i didn't really get time to fully understand it's quite easy to cover up a few things in, in half yeah. a day. So I didn't really understand you know, what the, the, how bad the condition was. And not that it was terrible, but it was just more. Yeah, can we yeah, make it, it was still a multi-million pound business that was still operating, making great yeah. profit and everything like that. Um, so by the way, there was no disaster here or anything like that. It wasn't a business that went from failing to, you know, not failing anymore. You just realized, obviously, at the level it was operating at, now that you've stepped back in, everything's more streamlined, it's better margin, yeah. you know, that type of thing. Yeah, so, like, just the previous management were not adhering to, to health and safety, and uh, and and obviously we're a grocery business, and there needs to be a certain standard in the, in the, in the warehouse. And they just weren't keeping it up. There was just a lack of care, and, and I think, like you said, we're now, you know, potential being three million plus this year. Uh, as a business over all the channels you get into a size now where it's sort of you need to you know get to these sort of food standard you know you need a higher level of standard and you can't just have people who are just not going to care so yeah it's it's good and uh, and my only recommendation is that this is definitely viable doing what i'm doing and the traveling the mistake mm -hmm. i made was i just yeah. yeah coming back for half a day you don't pick you aren't that's not enough time to pick out some of the the issues you don't get understand the staff who who work under the management won't open out to you as much because they don't know you as well so i think it, yeah. if you are going to do this route it's, it definitely by the way it works but what i'd recommend is is if you come back to the uk stay in a travel lodge like i'm doing uh, and stay for the week uh, and just stay for the whole week work in the warehouse and then you'll get to know your staff that you might have not met before you get to understand the relationships between all the staffs a bit more because before there's quite a lot of drama going on and I didn't see that really because I was not involved but I think you at the level I'm at even if you're doing I'm not a multi hundred million mark pen style business yet well I can't I don't think I can just sort of completely step away from the wealth operation I still got to be that character here and people need to know me a bit better so that's my recommendations look you just you can live that life of three months away go to Mexico City but when you come back stay stay a couple of weeks right yeah 
And um, I think it's, I've also seen a change in you and ambition reignited a little bit in your physical business, in the physical stock business of, um, you know, maybe you were kind of happy where it was before because you obviously knew there was a bit, you always knew that there was a trade off with you not being there 100%, you know, that we. No yeah, with no mag tax. We've talked about that previously, of course. But I think now you being back in, being Alan Partridge, living out of the travel lodge, which is one of my favorite things. You know, you guys are probably, a lot of you are probably too young for like Alan Partridge, but he lived out of a travel lodge. So that's what we call Johnny now. Um, so you're staying at the travel lodge. and But being there on an everyday basis, like I said, it's almost reignited uh, an ambition and I find your language really interesting because you say we're not a hundred million yet whereas that's the first time I've heard you say that for quite a long time again and um, you said it previously but then when you were in love with the the nomad kind of lifestyle but you you knew that that wasn't going to be possible but now that you're back in the fold you can see yourself growing towards those eight figures a lot more now right yeah definitely eight figures I think we're gonna hit that and three years or something uh yeah. how far i don't know how far we want to scale from there like i'll be honest with you right now we're super very profitable like the business is making really good money where we haven't had that before we've made good money but not now it's making really good money like yeah proper proper money and like when the business is like that it's like do you want to scale up the operations move to a bigger warehouse where the the rates the square foot prices have gone up and ah. Uh, so we're in an interesting place where the business right now is working well. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's yeah. still room for growth. Uh, oh, yeah. Still... We, we, we've had to stop stocking our, our fast-selling lines because the minimum pallet orders is, is uh, eight pallets. So for mm -hmm. this product line, but we'd sell that in two, three. We just can't physically store it right now. Um, yeah. there's, there's some brands that have rejected us, actually, <laughs> which we'll reach out to again, but we just couldn't meet their... So there's there's a company, um, then their minimum order quantity was eight pallets per order as well. So again, it's just like if we really want to start working with these other brands, mm -hmm. you have to have a bigger warehouse space because if you're ordering yeah. eight pallets of one skew and eight pallets per order, you need like ten thousand square foot, you know, probably at least. Mm -hmm. And we're yeah. in three thousand and the new guy I started yesterday was just like oh, I think he's not struggling, but he, he understands about the, the space. And he's just like, geez, there's nothing to put away. You're basically trying to find an inch. Yeah. Um, like, where does it go? Yeah. And I think that's interesting because, um, by the way, if no one's watched it, we had Mark Penn on last week. He was talking about that. That was one of the key things he was talking about in how he's managed to scale is definitely understanding that working, you know, um, industrial space um, and uh, not taking on too much to overwhelm yourself with cost and commitment versus leaving room for growth because of the people that you want to work with that will walk into your warehouse and say, well, where's all my stuff going to go? You haven't got yeah. capacity for it. So we're not going to give you a contract. It's it's for him. It's different leagues because, hmm. you know, I can say this now, like last week, he mentioned it, that he got bought out, uh, not bought out, but some of his, uh, he, he sold off some of his company, right? Yeah. To a Fortune 500 company, so he has the the backing of a, a large player, like a huge, like a, one of the biggest players. He has so his his stuff. yeah. So his decision making is always going to be different to a small business owner, right? So it, it's 
Oh, it's but just also, a different league, isn't it, Mark? It's a different yeah, league. Yeah, but it's also big business comes with bigger problems. It's as simple as that. I was saying this yeah. to someone this morning as well. It's like raising kids. A different problem, you know, as they get older from versus when they're a baby. It's the same as your business grows as well. But Chris, yeah, he's hit the nail on the head there. While the cat's away, the mice will play, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that I said to uh, Johnny at the time was when it's something like this, you can't take it personally because you do, right? You take it personally when you see you come in. And I think you said example, you come in and the, the floor was dirty or, or or something like that. And you feel a little bit like I've, you feel mugged off, right? You know, yeah. I've left these people here in, in charge and, you know, they've been taking the Michael essentially. And, but the thing is, I look at it a slightly different perspective. You're taking it a little bit personally, like, it's against you it's not against you or it's not against the owner of the business i mean sometimes it is obviously but it's it's something you've got to separate that that personal kind of thing um and it's not personal to you and it's also having that understanding that no one's going to ever do as good a job as you no one is yeah it's as simple uh, as that yeah I mean, most people I... could manage a, a warehouse better than me but uh <laughs> <laughs> Matt Cromie's pretty good at where, uh, you know, as that he's he's the one there uh, mopping the floors and and doing that. But yeah, I'm the not staff very good don't at know it. Oh, you're not. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, the yeah. opposite. The opposite. It's very easy to find someone who's going to be better in a warehouse than me. I'm like, no, I'm okay. To be fair, I'm I'm, I'm pretty hands on. Um, mm-hmm. But you're right, and I'm gonna be honest. Like, I'm actually, I was pretty good. Like, I, it didn't affect me in the slightest. It didn't stress me out. I was a bit, mm-hmm. you know, you when it happened, we were actually on a call. And then obviously I was shocked then, like of yeah. what happened, and I can't go into the details. But uh, from then, you know me, just I just cracked on. Yeah, you know, yeah. just cracked yeah. on, and that's the best thing in businesses. Business only, business will only fail when you give up, right? I mean, to yeah, answer, and... sometimes yeah, you've got to have the understanding that at some point in your business, like for for instance with Tom, his options there was okay, I need to crack on with the UK business, get it back on its feet. Or I just close it down. So yeah. some people were like, "Oh, I don't want that lifestyle. That doesn't work for me right now. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give it up." But for me, I'm like, "Nah, I'm not gonna give up. Let's just go back in, easy peasy. Two, three months back." Yeah, in the UK. and I, I think it was a slightly different scenario. Well, it was a massively different scenario yeah. anyway as oh, well. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the key takeaway. And I saw a lot of criticism for Tom. Oh, look at him, guru. He shut his business down. Actually, that's a really sensible, mature. Uh, business maturity decision right you know and uh, it's it's one of those things and it's like yourself in this scenario um you step back into the business that you were out of the fold a little bit before the business was by no means failing but but you stepping back in it's um you know not turned it around because it like I said it was never in a failing position or anything like that uh just making the best level of profit uh, that it's been and you know there's there's more growth for the future I think what's interesting here guys is taking the kind of underlying thing from from Johnny's example is it wasn't a case of you know the whole world's against me blah 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 dug down realized his plans uh, that he thought was going to happen were not going to happen didn't grumble about it got back in got on with it but I need you to, I need everyone to look at it. That's what happens in business. 
you know, it doesn't always go the way you think it's going to go. And if you are not someone that can pivot quite easily or pivot without resentment or pivot without grumbling. Yeah, everyone has a little grumble. Of course they do. Everyone gets frustrated. I don't want to think, you know, we're not perfect. Like I said, I had 24 hours of meltdown over this uh, whole Section 3 thing. 24 hours of meltdown the last time we got suspended. You know, nobody's perfect as, as simple as that. But then it's having that business maturity of understanding that this stuff happens and it's going to keep happening. And just because you get bigger or more experienced, it doesn't alleviate it happening in the future. It's going to continue to happen and you have to continue to be able to pivot for the rest of your lives, the rest of your business lives. It yeah. doesn't stop. That's what I'm if saying. You, yeah. And if you don't want to do that, then get a corporate job, right? Absolutely. It's a lot safer, more security, yeah. potentially probably more pay, more money, really, if you work corporate. Like at the end of the day, like if you get a London corporate job and work that grind, there's, there's probably a bit more security there, right? And, Absolutely. And that's why I put the I put the, the Jim Rohn uh, clip uh, in the Facebook group yesterday uh, where he goes into that and he says, you know, it's all risky. It's all risky, baby. You know, everything's a risk. That's the secret. No matter what you do, it's all a risk if you're going to be in this game. He said, or just a bit like what Johnny said. Yeah, go sit in the corner. We'll cover you with a blanket. We'll give you three meals a day. We'll do this and do that. And yes, it's an extreme version of what he's talking about it. He's a phenomenal, was a phenomenal speaker, one of the best public speakers there ever was, you know, in my opinion. So he's adding extra things to that. He doesn't really mean that. He What he means is get a job, be safe, never challenge yourself, never do this, never do that. And it's interesting. I know someone um, um, would, it's <laughs> a pivot, said in a friend's voice, totally get what you mean and um someone said yeah but what is that level of risk you know how much do you do that well I think that comes with confidence that comes with experience and length in business we're not saying that you need to risk everything on day one of course not it's you know mitigated risks it's taking risks once you've got results it's taking uh you know it's taking a step in a risk, not risking it all and gambling all at once. So I don't want anyone to get a misconception uh, from that message that you should, you know, sell everything and put it all on black. It's not that. It's understanding that you have to take risks at a certain point after, you know, you've got results and, and seeing if something's proven to you or you can yep. get a job. It's as simple yep. as that. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's just more the it's more the energy. The risk here was just my personal energy and output, and I have to put more work in, uh, and basically have a, a lot of different responsibilities. So that's really the risk of the warehouse, right? You can do it yourself and be in that position, or you can scale up and start hiring out. And unfortunately, sometimes things crumble down, and you have to step back in and. It's, it's like those books, uh, what's the book? I can't remember what it's called, but they talk about having like the engineering hat and then the player hat and all these different hats. Oh, yeah. Like it's, CEO, yeah, uh, you're CEO. the commander or the creative or the... I've never yeah. done that, actually. Uh, it's not psychometric testing, but yeah, you've, you're one of the four key roles, whatever it is in your business. CEOs are lazy. Lazy CEO, what's the best? Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. Like someone's... 
I think they, Ratios the are that, lazy. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to read that one. I've not read that one. The one that I've seen is the one where they liken you to whatever role on a ship. Are you the captain? Are you the first mate? Uh, are you that kind of, um, which is interesting. It's interesting. But I do believe if you run a business to a certain level and you don't want it to get past a certain level, you know, it's like what Johnny's talking about there. It, once you get to eight figures, you know, if you want to go beyond eight figures, then you need double the staff, double the warehouse, double the stress, double the costs. It's all about choices and options in this as well. And we're very fortunate that we're in a position where you can, we can all run businesses that provide phenomenal lifestyles, you know, phenomenal lifestyles. I was, I was talking to someone else earlier. This business has provided me with, you know, what will be essentially a 30 grand holiday that I'm taking my family on next year. If you added it up and paid it all in cash, that's what it will be. Um, and it gives you all these different opportunities um, to do it as well as earning good money as well. So, but you don't have to sell your soul and you don't have to, to do this because of all the great services and, and prep centers and, and whatever, but you can have a really great business operating at a certain level. You don't have to be a Mark Penn or, or whatever. You can do what works for you. Yeah. The points are so, yeah, there's a lot of things you can do and, yeah, you know, those points must be burning a hole in your Amex right now, right? This is a lot of points, but uh, no, I, <laughs> uh, yeah, I hate, I hate saying this because it's like I don't want to like be self brag, but uh, you know, I, I paid gave my parents a gift to take them to the Maldives, and and next year as well, so I got their got their flights to to the Maldives, so like a direct yeah. flight, so put them on, uh, you know business flights to the Maldives and back and, and just stuff like that. It's nice to, to do in your business and sort of pay back a little bit and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, the obviously the the points are building up. Yeah. Hopefully <laughs> um, uh, I might suggest sending your business partners to the Maldives. That would that would be a lovely gesture. Yeah. <laughs> a lovely yeah. gesture to send uh, your business partners. But yeah, I can guess who the who the favorite child is in your family right now. For now. For now. For now. For now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah that book is uh it's just a really good read. It's called um great CEOs are lazy and basically he talks about different roles in the business where it's the learner role which again very important learn being a learner always should be learning always reading always networking always that's that's when you get to this level in business you know nasty it's all about learning more to get better right and most a lot of your time should be learning so if, mm -hmm. if you think your business is running and it's like it feels boring you should be learning to learn yeah. to improve how how do I improve this business uh, yeah. The other one is the sorry, it's the no, architect, can't. the architect. So I guess planning, and then the the coach. So I'm sort of playing the coach now, and the where I'm coming back and and training my staff and and helping with different processes. Uh, and then there's the engineer, which is creating systems and software and all that sort of thing. And the final one is the player. Sometimes you have to go into the player role. So right now, for the last two months, I've been in player role, where I'm back in the warehouse as the player managing it and yeah. and in the business and you know in a couple of months I'll be, i will slowly go away from the player and go back into the the learner role which is mm -hmm. what i think is the ultimate one is to always be in that learner position but uh yeah i think always always gonna be the player in the business yeah back and, 
yeah. Exactly. And I think you've got to have, like I said, if, you, if you've got ambitions of running a business, anything up to about 10 million a year, I'm not talking about turnover is vanity and everything like that. Then if you're going to run anything up to a seven figure business, you, you're not going to just play one role in 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 your business you have to wear those multiple hats it's as simple as that it's only really when you start getting into maybe a bit of venture capitalism money and bringing on f you know cfos and and things like that and going down that direction like what we're talking about with mark you know where he can't mark can't be every he can't wear you know, every, every hat, hat needs to be worn in that business now. So there's, there's a good, you know, and that's why I loved having Mark on, um, you know, last week to show that what can happen, that's what can happen, you know, uh, albeit very on a rare scale, but it can happen. Um, but what it takes to achieve that, uh, essentially, but most of us mere mortals, you know, like today, I'll be, I'll be doing like five different things five different of those roles, you know, today, but Johnny's right. It's the learner. So what I will always say as well is if you are not always absorbing something, I learn more now than I have ever learned at, you know, at, in my period in, in life, you know, I've learned, I, I absorb more now. So if you're that person that ever contacts me and says that you're leaving the hive because you don't have time, then think about it. Either come up with a, a different reason to tell me why you're leaving the hive, because that doesn't cut with me, because you have to make time for this information. You have to make time. Yes, it may not be a priority, that type of information that's being provided, but don't accept that excuse of yourself. Don't kid yourself into the fact that you do not have time to learn, absorb and, you know, e evolve. It's the most important part. It's like it's learning about, you know, you should be always reading, learning. So, for instance, these section threes and learning, you know, listening to this podcast and learning how you had 350 pages and how you got all the paperwork together. You know, you should be listening to these sort of podcasts and learning. Okay, Natalie's mentioned about the shipping confirmations and how how they um, expire after three months or whatever. You, I can't remember what you said three yeah, months. Yeah, 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 three months. Yeah. So, you know that's learning you should be telling your team now oh crap everything Let's needs say, to be saved and put into a folder yeah let's get a google drive and and sort this out asap if, if you don't have that and that, uh, that's part of the learning experience and i think every ceo entrepreneur 50 percent of your time should be in that learning you yeah. know always learning and that's the good thing you like if someone walks into your office and you're listening to this podcast and say hey i'm at work like you know i'm i'm, I'm learning so <laughs> It's a good excuse to not do anything because you can just sit there on the sofa and put your headphones on and be like, I'm working. Exactly. <laughs> it is. We're all the working, box. baby. We're all working. There's no doubt about it. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm def I've not read that great CEOs. I'm gonna read that. I really I book. love the sound of that one. Like I said, I've I've read something similar about the captains of the ship, but that one sounds really cool. So I, I want to read that. So, like Cindy said, loving all the suggestions. Interesting question from Chris, and I think we'll make this the last question of the afternoon, yep. because before we know it, nine, like Johnny always tells me off for going over the hour. He's like, keep it to an hour, keep it to an hour. But it's so easy to like fall into it when it's interesting conversation, not just between us, but obviously you guys as well. And, um, you know, that's that's why we love dedicating the time to do this. Yes, I know we should be like 30 minutes or 40 minutes or whatever, but, you know. We wouldn't be us if that was the case, or I, I wouldn't be me anyway. Uh, but what would you say? Uh, actually, let's throw this out to everyone. What would everyone say? What 
do you think is the top level a one man band can achieve? I take it you mean financially in terms of uh, of turnover because you know obviously profit is something else. So what do you think, Johnny? I'll say what I think and then let everyone else know. Um so yeah, include VAs. Else. I guess it's yeah, yeah, including uh, VAs and prep centers and things like that. So being a one man band where you are the overlord of everything. But not yeah. physical staff. Okay, not physical staff. Uh oh okay, so no, I... um, Chris says no VA. Okay, no that's VA. it. I'll do VA versus VA then. I think it depends on again. First question is what market? If it's an American marketplace, obviously you're looking at a different answer because you've got to 10x all the numbers. But I reckon if you self prep and did everything on your own, you could probably do half a million. I that's think. my exact figure: half a million. In America, maybe that's. Yourself. In America, that would probably be like two, because you just a turnover so much better. Turnovers better. Um, everything's more expensive because it's in dollars. So I know what you. I know. I. I don't think. Uh, I don't think two. I think like. Can't prep um, that enough stock. Probably no, I don't think you'd be able to physically prep enough stock. So doing everything yourself, um, with no VAs, half a million. That's exactly. It's funny. We're exactly the same figure because that's exactly what I was going to say. And then team of VAs for sourcing, um, VA admin you know, all the VAs and then a prep center, I think comfortably you could probably get, and this is where Johnny and I might differ. I think you could comfortably get between one and two million, but I think you'd struggle to get beyond two with a prep center. Yeah. A single prep center. Yeah. If, let's just, if you just do the maths of this, say like if you're self-prepping to FBA, I reckon if you're doing it yourself for eight hours a day, you could probably do 400, 500 units a mm -hmm. day. You're working 30 days a week. So 500 times 30 is 15,000 units. Say your average order value is 20. That is uh, 300,000. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, you, if you're self-prepping and working 60 hours a day and you can somehow work 30 days a, a month and be able to send out 400, 500 units a day and then the other eight hours sourcing, you know, maybe you could do the one million, one, two million, but you'd be yeah. working around the clock. And I guess that's, 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 it's a difficult, that's because you're like, you're, you're playing free roles because you're working eight, 16 hours yeah. a day, seven days a week. So, yeah. And it's, it's interesting because Chris has said here, uh, another Chris, Christopher, uh, managed a million during COVID, no staff, no VA, no prep, no fulfillment. Um, I, mean, but I, was, I do sure. know, I do know, obviously, Chris, and I know you'll be uh, interested, uh, I know you'll you know, be happy to confirm this anyway as well, that you were working flat out. And obviously it was during COVID as well. And I'm not taking any, that is a phenomenal achievement, by the way. Uh, and that was, if I remember rightly, that was self-fulfillment as opposed yeah. to FBA. So obviously if you can do that, then uh, you can take advantage. You don't, you, you generally, if you're a, a complete FBM business, then you can take advantage of, selling at the highest possible price the quickest reaction which again during would have been compounded even more so by covid higher prices you know that type of thing but it's it's really really you know a phenomenal achievement what you achieved during that period of time but yeah i do remember you saying and pre-kids flat out so yeah couple of uh you know uh things there to to add to that but still a phenomenal achievement but i think realistically now working what would probably be a 40 
40 hour, 45 hour a week, if you're doing it all on your own, half a million. But then if you're doing it all on your own as well, what you've got to take into account, you don't need to probably hit 2 million because your margins are going to be so much bigger. You're not going to be paying prep fees. You're not going to be, you know, you'll be able to capitalize on Merchant Fulfilled as well, which generally brings higher margins anyway as well. So what I would yeah. always say, be careful what you wish for. Big business, big turnover doesn't necessarily mean big profits. Um, so half a million, one man band. If somebody is happy to do that day in, day out, uh, you know, really capitalize on Merchant Fulfilled and some of the other things we could talk, we're talking about, you could be 20% net margin easily. Mm -hmm. You know, 20% yeah. net margin um, could even be more, could be 25% for sure, which is, you know, 100, 155, uh, 150,000 profit a year. Bloody nice. That's for enough for you as well. Yeah, you, you're out of that. <laughs> Don't know. It does make me laugh. Whenever Johnny says, yeah, high profits, we're doing this really well. I don't think it's so wasted on you, Johnny. So wasted. <laughs> I know. I know. So wasted. Oh, to be fair, I, I did buy, I had a, I think I'd said to, I, I bought a golf driver, which was pretty pricey. That was my first expensive purchase for about three, four years. But uh bought a golf driver, sport myself. Yeah. It's like four hundred I think it's like four hundred quid. Uh but yeah. That's pretty like a mill out of the family for you, isn't it? I guess. <laughs> At times. <laughs> I, <it's, laughs> Well, we, well, there are four of us anyway, but no, it wouldn't be bad. It wouldn't be bad. But no, what's interesting is uh, I was getting my daughter ready this morning and like, I don't know if anyone's seen those sort of TikToks where like all of your packages, I didn't order them all on the same day, but they all turned up on the same day. So I brought them upstairs, put them all away. My skincare had run out at the same time. Some makeup had run out at the wrong time. I just had this box full of stuff and my daughter she hates it when I spend money. She's like, when if I, I can't go shopping with her, she's like, how much? How much? She's like, mummy, what have you been buying? I said, and I found myself justifying it to a seven-year-old. I was like, <laughs> it all came It all came at the same time. Um, I'd run out of this. And I'm like, what am I doing? She's seven. Why am I, why am I justifying it? But yeah, I, I do. Uh, I have been known to like a purchase. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I have been known to like purchase, so yeah. That's funny. But we'll leave. We will leave it. Uh, we will leave it there. Uh, right. I mean, yes, that was a lot. Uh, a lot more longer than I thought it was going to be today. So apologies, guys, if you thought you were just going to be um, tuning in uh, just for a few, uh, you know, uh, uh, an hour. So we will try and stick to it next week. So uh, I'm not sure. I think we've got a guest next week, but I shall let you know in the group as always. Thanks for your questions. Thanks for your participation. Johnny, great to have you back. I, I know initially it was at your detriment, but it's great to have you back uh, here and, um, you know, back in the warehouse and great to hear it, everything's going so well again on, on, well, not that it wasn't, but you get what I'm trying to say. So uh, we will see you next week, guys. If you're a Hive member, we'll see you at seven o'clock tonight. Uh, but as always, keep those questions posting and look out for some new videos this week. And also all of the stuff about Section 3 will get that posted as quickly as possible. But have a great day, everyone. And I'll see you later. Take care. Cheers, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye.